The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. And this is the hard shoulder. Kevin from Tralee says, we did incentivise greener fuels a few years ago, remember? And how many drivers switched to diesel at the urging of the Green Party? Save me. So says Kevin from Tralee. Kevin, I hope you're not too despondent. I hope you're still with us because I'm joined now on the show by Sean Spicer, the former White House press secretary and the Newsmax presenter. Sean, it is good to talk to you again and thanks a million for taking the time to chat to us. Um, can I ask you first about the the continuing fallout to this uh, Department of Justice and this uh, federal agent raid on Mar-a-Lago, on Donald Trump's uh, private residence in the Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida. What was your initial reaction when that happened? Well, it's good to be with you again, Kieran. Um, I, I think it was unbelievable how quick this escalated. By every account, President Trump was working with the National Records Administration and the FBI uh, to get back documents that they thought that that they were entitled to and that he wasn't. Um, he had, they visited his his home in Mar-a-Lago. He had actually come down to to speak with them personally. Um, so, one, they were working with him. There's no question about that. That's not in dispute. Two. Um, uh, the question that continues to hang over me is this. If they really wanted the documents that were remaining and thought that they were of a substantial nature, why did they wait so long? They waited not only 13 months before they approached him, but then once they actually visited his home and saw what was there, um, they, they waited several days and then called back and said, can you put another lock on that door? I mean, one would think that if they were that serious and that concerned that they would stay there or come back the next day or do something more immediate as opposed to wait several Mm -hmm. days. And then when you do call back, say, could you the only remedy that they had was, can you put an additional lock on that door? So how do you interpret that? I'm I'm very concerned with how it's been handled um, because it appears as though there is the weaponization of the Department of Justice, that this is not something that's ever happened before. And from what we've seen so far, it doesn't appear to merit the level of which they, they went to. And, and so I was having this conversation with a, a colleague of mine where I would say, look, I've been doing public affairs and politics and military stuff for a long time. If you know that something's going to get a lot of attention, which obviously raiding the home of a former president would qualify as that, you would want to get ahead of it and say, okay, we're going to get asked why we did this and what was so important or whatever. And so far, the Department of Justice has been relatively mum as to why. And I, I just, it, it, it causes me a lot of concern that if they really thought that they had something that was so imminent, there's a lot of their actions that don't add up in terms of why, what they did or did not do in the days, weeks, and months leading up to this. And so also, as you know, for, for you know, many of us here in the United States, we're scratching our heads and saying, okay, so in 2016, Hillary Clinton had a secret server which contained multitude of classified information, that, and some of which ended up on, on a guy named Anthony Weiner, a former congressman's laptop. So we know that some of it got out. And at the time, Jim Comey, the FBI director, said that no one would ever prosecute her for that. So in that instance, where it was very vulnerable, where it had what we call spill in the, in the terms of getting the information out, mm. it was deemed not to be an issue. 
But now with Trump, who was cooperating and saying, hey, I think I'm entitled to some of these documents, them saying no and them disagreeing, but them working together, they went sort of what we would call the DEFCON 1, right? They, they literally escalated this thing all the way to, to a nuclear war, if you will, without showing any signs that he wasn't being cooperative. Now, the, the alternative explanation, though, is that they may not have shown those signs that they haven't revealed what they are, but that the answer to the question, you know, what material did he take? Why did he take it? What has he done with it? What is he planning to do with it? That the answers to some of them were so grave that they simply had to do this. They felt compelled to do it. Okay, so that's and that's a valid argument, except look at the number of documents that have come out so far. So there are four levels of classification. You have confidential, secret, top secret, and what we call TSSEI, top secret, compartmentalized, sensitive information. So far, well over almost two thirds of them have come at the lowest level of classification. I'm not by any means, just so you're clear, I've been around classified information for almost 25 years. I am not minimizing the impact of that. But confidential and secret information do not pose a grave risk. They are literally public, you know, uh, uh, what we call PII, personalized identified information. They are things that that just you don't want out in the public, but they don't pose a grave national security threat by any means. So the vast majority of that stuff, that goes to like, for example, the president's schedule, his own schedule would be top secret. So just so we're clear as to what we're talking about, I'm not excusing it by any means. So I'm not here saying, oh, it's no big deal. I think that the handling of classified information should be taken extremely serious. However, I think the nature and substance of what it is matters. If the president of the United States had copies of his own schedule, for example, and I don't know that this is true, but I'm just positing it, and that's a TS, that's a top secret document, are you really arguing that the president having a copy of his own schedule is a deal? Now, you're right. We don't know what that is. But here's my point. If you, if you, believe, if you are, buy into the argument that you just posited, which I think is a fair one, then the question I ask you is, okay, if you believe that some of those documents were extremely sensitive, you walk down into the president's uh, office and area and he was there, he showed the FBI agents around, he greeted them. Mm. If you saw something that was so important, you went, oh my gosh, those are the nuclear codes. That's the key to Fort Knox. That's whatever it is. You, what would you do? Would you wait days? Would you call back several days later and say, hey, could you put a lock on that door? No. You would say, that's a serious deal. We need to get it now. We need to go back tomorrow. We need to call him right away. That's not what happened. But perhaps it was because it was so unprecedented that this was the home of the former president and quite possibly, if he has his way, future president, that, you know, people didn't act in the same way they might have had had it been in Kieran Cudahy's home or Sean Spicer's home where they saw Fair something enough. that shouldn't right, be right. there. But, but, but Kieran, the thing is, he was cooperating. So if they said, Mr. President, there's a document over there that we need to collect ASAP. There is no evidence so far by either side that the president wasn't cooperating. So if, if they thought, I mean, that's what I'm getting at, is that that's why this doesn't add up. If, they, if he had pushed back, if they said, we identified five documents that were of grave national security interest. But when we presented yeah. that to President Trump, he said, no way, I'm keeping them. Yeah. I would say, okay, now I get it. There is no discussion that occurred that sh- that 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 happened. Yeah, well, so, not, not that we know of, but uh, an evidence of absence correct. is not uh, is not uh, an absence enough, necessarily of evidence. Okay, but 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 my point is this: they have filed all of these documents with the court, and in not one instance has their argument been he wasn't cooperating. 
Why do you suspect he took anything that he shouldn't have? So again, I'm not excusing the handling of classified information. I take it very seriously. If you read the accounts of, there's two things. Number one, remember Mar-a-Lago to him was where he went on every weekend. And so he'd go down there. So first question is, how much of it was there prior to him? You know, he could have had it there for months because that was where he was working on the weekends. He would go down on Fridays and stay there till Monday, the same way that Joe Biden goes to Delaware. There were um, storage areas for classified information at Mar-a-Lago. So one, how much of that was there prior to the end of the administration? Number two, by all accounts, when he was leaving the White House, the descriptions that have been in the New York Times and the Washington Post say that they had delayed the process of packing up and it had become rather hectic and aides were just putting stuff in boxes and saying, hey, we'll sort this out later. So it was very sloppy. And I think in many cases, they were loading stuff up, you know, after, you know, that, that normally would take you know, maybe a month or two months and trying to do it in 48 hours. Has this damaged the president, the former president's standing amongst his supporters at all? No, I think it strengthened them. So what, what I think this did is two things. If you are a supporter of Donald Trump, you are even more so now. You look at him as being the subject of a political, quote unquote, witch hunt. You believe he's being targeted by the Department of Justice, and they're trying to silence him and his supporters. If you are somebody that doesn't like Donald Trump, you use this as another example of why you don't like him. But I think it has hardened the support or opposition to him on both sides. So I think if you are a supporter of Trump, it made you even more of a supporter of Trump. If you didn't like Trump, you probably don't like him even more. So this just, I suppose, it's further evidence of this phenomenon that exists not just in the United States, but uh, arguably in all kind of advanced Western democracies, we'll describe them that way, uh, that it matters not so much what is being said, but who is saying it. You know, that tribalism thing, you know, Trump is my guy and this doesn't really matter. Well, not necessarily because it's not like he just made it up. I think, like I said, there is, I I think even for objective folks, I mean, there was an, an, an analyst on CNN the other day which has been no supporter of President Trump, that said if the Department of Justice doesn't, quote, have the goods, they've really overreached here. And so I would argue that for a lot of folks who might not even be the biggest Trump supporter, they're kind of scratching their head saying, okay, I'll give the Department of Justice uh, a little bit of leeway here, but it seems a pretty big stretch to invade somebody's home if you don't have them dead to rights. Yeah, and listen, what you say about his popularity is, is born in approval ratings. And his approval, Joe Biden's approval ratings have rallied somewhat, I understand, the last few weeks, uh, certainly, but they're still behind President Trump's in a, in a, do, do you a, raise a, a lot of polling the, the companies. Thing fa- the, the thing that's fascinating, so Biden was, you know, between 39 and 40. He's now anywhere between 43 and 45. So, yes, he's gotten a, a couple point bump. But keep in mind the thing that's fascinating about what's happened when Biden's done this. Biden had was recovering for COVID for 16 days. So he was in the White House, out of sight. He got out when he finally tested negative twice. He then went on vacation in South Carolina for a week. He then came back to the White House for one day to sign a bill and then went back on vacation in Delaware. My point is this. The less that Joe Biden has seen, apparently, and this is sort of the basement strategy from the campaign, to some degree, he you know, his, his approval rating goes up a little. And, and that's 
That's a very different strategy than any other politician I've watched in the last 30 years, which is the less that you're engaged in the process, the further away you go from people, the better you do. That doesn't bode well for Biden, because I, I think that the, the bottom line is that people, they did get, we did, we had gas prices drop in America um, slightly. So now they're averaging just under $4, which is still well above where from when he came into office. Um, inflation is still at a 40-year high. So things are not great for Joe Biden, but I think things, he got a little bit of a bump because of the gas prices going down. And I think that they did have some legislative stuff at the end that hasn't really come to fruition yet. I think once Republicans put some ad money behind what's really yeah. in some of these bills. I, I, th- this, is, this is kind of, again, this is back to all the Mar-a-Lago, this kind of alternative interpretations. There'll be people listening and say, well, Lolana's popularity is increasing because of you know, some of that legislation, the Inflation Reduction Act, they might talk about cancelling student debt, they might talk about killing Al-Zawahiri, and they'll say, you know, Joe Biden has actually taken some boxes here. Yeah, and that's why I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I'm not dismissing that. He did, but remember well, where it's You kind of are, you're suggesting he's popular because he's disappeared. But he has. I mean, my point is, is that he's not out there doing victory laps around the country. You don't, you don't see him going from place to place to place where has he been for thirty days? Governing off the grid. Governing. Governing. Go- wait, you don't. Wait, you don't govern. You don't govern a town halls. No, no. Fair enough. You do stuff though. He hasn't literally for sixteen days. He was holed up in the White House. Then he went on vacation. He literally told the press corps in the United States to quote go get a bathing suit. That's not governing. He went on vacation. I'm not arguing that he doesn't have the right to do that. I think presidents need to reset and get away. So I'm not begrudging him for taking a vacation. But I'm just arguing that this is not a guy who has been out front and center making the case for his policies. John, always interesting and always a pleasure. And thanks a million for joining us. Sean Spicer is the former White House press secretary and he is a Newsmax presenter. Stay with us. Michael McGrath is going to be talking to us about the public sector pay deal that's on the table after five o'clock. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.